Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome to Vice and Easy. Apologies in advance if there's any kind of static you can hear on the recording. I'm doing my very best to work around it. And this week we're actually going to be breaking down episode 18 of season one, Made for Each Other. This is a unique episode in that we're actually focusing on secondary characters, Zito and Switek, and tertiary characters of Izzy and Nugi. So the IMDb description is as such. Zwitek and Zito use two of their favorite informants to set up a transaction with a stolen goods dealer. And so our episode opens up on a warehouse where they are making counterfeit $100 bills. Crocodile tubs are undercover looking to purchase some counterfeit money. And if you watch this episode and thought of Sullivan Dianale, you're not alone, especially once you get to the exotic dancer part of it all. So this is interesting. Remember a few episodes ago. I mentioned the alleged lawsuit against William Friedkin by Michael Mann over plagiarism. So this is interesting. This is interesting. To be fair, To Live and Die in LA was a book, and I believe the counterfeiting theme is in the book. I should read the book. I don't know. The book doesn't have William Peterson, so it just never crossed my mind. But maybe that'll be my homework, to read the book. And so they're kind of joking around. Crockett's looking at the money. He's really impressed the quality. Then it just goes way over his head. Unbelievable composition. Spectroscopy, my friend. Spec what? Molecular analyzation of matter through laser light. Read a book sometime. <laughs> and so Crockett does not really take to that too kindly. He makes this very funny face that I made a gif of. Then across the street, Zito and Switek are doing recon whereas Witek is the grandfather and I guess Zito was the aide. And they're not agreeing about something. Guess what they're fighting about? A girl. I was hoping in my heart that this wouldn't affect our friendship. But I can see you're not big enough to get over the fact that she dumped you. <laughs> dumped me? Is that what she told you? And this lays the groundwork for the rest of the episode where Zito, Switek, and Darlene the woman in question, all get to bunk together, which is not awkward at all. However, on the other side of the street, back at the warehouse, Miami Vice has the place surrounded. Artie, the counterfeiter in question, freaks out, puts the sprinklers on. The sprinklers are not releasing water, they're releasing gasoline. And as he pulls out the lighter, he gets mechanical, maniacal look in his eyes, throws the lighter, starts a fire, sets the counterfeit, bills on fire, shootout occurs while this is all happening. There's a gif of money getting shot up. <laughs> Luckily, Crockett and Tubbs are able to make it out. They shoot their way out. However, their cover is blown. Once they finally nab Artie outside, Artie scoffs at them and basically tells them, what proof do they have? All they have are ashes. All the counterfeit money has been burned. Hence the gasoline, hence the fire. So Zito jumps in. He runs in the door to grab some of the counterfeit money. Zito's freaking out. Everybody's freaking out. They're worried that he's not going to come. And as soon as he enters in the doorway, a piece of plywood that's on fire falls and blocks the entrance. Luckily, about 20 seconds later, Zito pops out through a back window. He's fine. He's got some of the counterfeit money that's been a little bit burnt, but enough that it's sufficient evidence to prosecute Artie. His fingers are all burned. So he's had a really rough day. 
Then, after the intro, it gets even worse. His house is on fire. Right? Like, it just... Yeah. So, not only are his hands burned, his house is on fire. Completely burned down to the ground. Luckily, Zwaitek is the one driving him home. So, he's not there alone. Zwaitek is able to go to the mailbox. The only thing that survived the fire... Guess what else survived the fire? Ha! What is it? It's your gas bill. Oh, poor Zito. So as Zwitek's driving him home, I will note that Zwitek has really fun fuzzy dice on his rear view mirror of his convertible. And I used to have really big fluffy dice too. That was kind of like my trademark back home. I always had big fluffy dice, even though I didn't have a convertible. Until I got in trouble. You're not supposed to have things hang from your rear view mirror. So roll my eyes. I now have tiny little bejeweled dice similar to diane's episode um sorry her earrings in the rites of passage episode that i really liked similar to those so they're small enough that if anyone pulls me over they can't cite me for that so let me live my life and enjoy my fuzzy dice i had fuzzy dice that were blue for the blue jays i then got fuzzy leopard print dice from las vegas so like they were all very fitting my personality so i still miss my fuzzy dice very much my car now is way too small so there's no way I'm getting fuzzy dice in it because I already have problems sometimes being able to see stoplights just because I do have a little bit of a blind spot on my windshield. So I have to kind of sometimes lean forward. Sorry, I'm not trying to lean to the mic too much, but I was just like miming, leaning forward to see if my light has changed green. So I will be keeping my little dice. But that tangent aside, Zwitek and Zito are heading up to Zwitek's apartment. Zito notices that all of her stuff is out on the stairs. I will note that the nice Jewish boy moving company still exists in Miami to this day. So if you guys are moving to Miami or moving in and around Miami, give them a call. They've been around since my advice. And so even though Darlene's moving in, that stuff on the stairs isn't Darlene's stuff. That's Zwitek's stuff. So that's already a little bit heated. Zwitek's not happy that his Elvis cutout was left on the steps. Then he comes home to tell Darlene that they have a guest. And it's her ex-boyfriend, Larry Zito. And so at the moment that Zwitek's going to ask Darlene if Zito can stay, she's removing a framed picture of Elvis on his bedroom wall and replacing it with the picture of Princess Diana and I believe baby Prince Harry. And so as you would assume, a woman that is basically trying to toss out her boyfriend's stuff and replace his Elvis memorabilia with Princess Diana and Prince Harry memorabilia is not really open to the fact of not only having a temporary roommate, having that temporary roommate be her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so they just close the bedroom door, continue screaming at each other as Zito just goes to the living room that is also an Elvis shrine and watches TV and tries to drown out the noise, which I think is very funny. It's kind of like when your parents are fighting and you're like, I can hear everything you're saying about me. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. However, while that's getting resolved, we're gonna head back to OCB. Crockett finds a radio in the men's room. <laughs> He's looking great. He's in kind of, I don't wanna say a salmon, cause it's not as orangey. It's not really like a lilac pink. It's not really a rose pink. Just a very nice shade. I have a picture of it, of course on the gallery at viceandeasypodcast.com or at viceandeasypodcast Instagram. And very sweetly, Gina and Trudy have got Zito a present. 
It's small, it's in a box. So obviously not a house, even though they joke about that, it's an inflatable house. It's actually another goldfish. So his goldfish, Harry, died in the fire. They got him a new goldfish. It's a girl. And surprise, surprise, what do you think he's gonna name her? That's really nice. You like it? It's like a new start or something. It's a girl. Harriet. Oh, that's really sweet. But let's backtrack a little bit. So with all this counterfeiting money, all this jazz, what's really going on? Let's get a little bit info about this whole counterfeit ring and who it ties to. I already ran into some trouble in Mexico. He bought his way out. He's slick as they come. He works strictly as a broker so he doesn't get dirty. Well, we have to catch him literally taking possession of goods he knows are stolen. And so who else would Castillo put out in this case? Zito and Switek. They've already tried to bust him one time before. They said last year. So now they're going to go at it again. And let's see where this leads them. And I will just, before we move on to the next scene, please go to the gallery and look at the shirt that Tubbs is wearing in the scene with the camels. That's all I'm going to say. It is a very wild shirt, even for 1985. So Zito and Switek are taking a little stroll. We don't know where they're going yet, but we see it there by either by a video store or some kind of electronic store because we see all these posters in the background. The poster that jumped out at me the most was the Scarface poster. That is very much my world's coming together. 80s Miami, excess, drugs, criminals, bad guys. I think they probably need that too. I think that's a little nod for that. And once again, guess where the conversation between Zito and Switek leads to? A new girlfriend is like a new goldfish. You gotta spend time with them so they get accustomed to the bowl. You know? I know fish move around in the dark. <sighs> you see, that's what I don't understand. These constant attacks. Why don't you just face it, Larry? She was an Indian. Ooh, that stings, Stan. Wow, that's actually what I saved that quote as. It's just, wow. All right, so they're both being petty and childish. Let's move on with the plot, shall we? We are being taken to what looks like another dimension because as we enter the scene, you can see I made a gif of it on the gallery. You just see this like mirrored ceiling with lights and this weird music kind of entering into this room full of neon. You see a guy in a silver suit. Turns out it's this guy, Barry, making a commercial for his electronics store. One thing I really don't like is that it looks to be like a live seal. And again, this is Miami, so I'm hoping that they had someone on set who knew how to properly wrangle. But my years of vegetarianism are working against me right now because I do think that seal looks very, very, very cute with the headphones around his neck. It's not nice. You shouldn't do that to animals. But I digress. I hope that seal was treated very well. It's a very weird and cheesy commercial. Let's listen. The right equipment at the right price because Bonzo Berry has harpooned the high cost of quality stereo. Sorry. That was him tossing the harpoon into the distance and assumingly striking one of his workers. <laughs> and then there's a very beautiful girl in a, a little kind of like onesie teddy, I might say. She's holding up a sign that says, seals the deal, which I thought was very cute as well. So Zeno and Switek, they recognize the girl in this commercial that they're filming. They don't know whether or not they picked her first listing last year, but they definitely recognize her. But they're here to talk to Barry. They're here to work this deal. Sony, Nakamichi, Luxman, Macintosh, state of the art, all factory sealed. 80% discount. All right. 
Let's go back to my office and uh, you can convince me. Barry, Barry. Not now, honey. I'm talking some business. Police business? What do you mean, police business? Well, when you're talking with two cops, you're usually talking police business. I even have in my notes that their cover was blown, and I'm assuming one minute of total time. <laughs> so, who else can they get to work this? Hmm. And guess who pops up? Why, it's our old friend, Izzy. Hello. Shut up. Who's there? Shut up. Hi, Izzy. So naturally, he's in some kind of exotic bird shop warehouse. Obviously not supposed to be there, as you can tell by the birds cackling at him, calling him out. Who is he? So he's breaking into this bird place after hours. God knows why. Izzy doesn't expect to catch him. And true to Izzy, he is a man who can think very quickly on the spot. Typical establishment neglect, eh? I offered to help these uh, winged refugees with their foreign language requirements, you know, so they can get their migration card. And uh, management <laughs> blinded the needs of the working bird educator. Forget to leave me a key. And as much as that fake Izzy accent kind of bothers me a little bit, it's not so much nails on a chalkboard for me, just like... <laughs> Just a little too much. It's very endearing how quickly he can try to cover his tracks. He always has some story and he's always able to like make it all flowery and extravagant when, you know, he's just a criminal and he's a police informant. But I do appreciate his imagination. And so now having busted Izzy breaking and entering, Zeno and Swiatek have a little bit of leverage on him and they want him to meet with this gentleman that we all speak of, this bigwig Casalata. However, they might need one more person on the case. Guess who that might be? Well, if it isn't our old friend, Nugi Lamont. Then you won't mind us taking a trip back to your place and uh, check out the serial numbers on your shower gifts. Y'all heard this rap before, fellas. Just run it down and let the noogie boogie, please. A mover named Costalata. John Costalata? Man, that's one heavy dude. Find him. How am I gonna find him? Man, that's impossible. What is you, drunk? Find him. Ah, uh, that 30 seconds of noogie speaking at a normal volume, which is very nice on the ear. So I do apologize in advance for the rest of this episode. I did try to keep those clips to a minimum, but it's kind of hard. I do need to push the story along. So noogie is getting married. His bride-to-be is this beautiful exotic dancer who takes a lit cigarette, puts it cherry first into her mouth, inhales, bends down to a customer as he takes the filter end out of her mouth and then smokes a cigarette. <laughs> I like her already. Her name is Ample Annie. She will also return in Buddy. So this is not the last we've seen of her. She's very charismatic, very charming, very beautiful, and very skilled. Now, after they're both trying to get Izzy and Noogie to look for this Castellata, let's meet him ourselves. Goodman, this is Castellato. Mr. C, I couldn't accept the merchandise. They canceled the convention at the last minute. I hope 
understand. It wasn't my fault. Look, what I understand is you made a deal for 150 compact displays that haven't been paid for yet. I know, but I can't pay you unless my customers pay me. Now, what I was thinking when they rescheduled the convention, I could... Let me tell you what I'm thinking. I think you got a house in 19th Parkway Lane with a standard alarm system. I think your wife drives a black touring Eldorado, licensed DJC 521. So as we can see, this guy does not play around if he has surveillance on all his customers, everybody that's in his quote-unquote accounts receivable and accounts payable. So very interesting gentleman. I must say, please go look at the gallery if you are parked, if you are not driving. He is wearing an unbuttoned blue silk shirt, gold jewelry, cigarette, very fancy ashtray. Then after this call where he's threatening this guy to pay up, he wants to go lie in the sun. So he tells his goon, who has even better facial hair with a curled up mustache, kind of like a weird, not really a chin strap beard, but it's like a thick chin strap beard. Again, these are all things you have to see in person. <laughs> so already I know that I'm in for a ride with this guy because this is very much my style. However, let's go visit back with Zwitek and Darlene. They're snuggling in bed, Zwitek's kissing all up and down her arm, and she's really buttering him up. You have a great future ahead of you. Immediate future, I hope. Oh, no, no, I'm dead serious. Zito's holding you back. He's holding you back from more important things. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't be Lieutenant Zwitek or Captain Zwitek or Chief of Police Zwitek. really think so? Interesting that she thinks Zito is holding him back. And speaking of Zito, he's watching TV way too loud in the other room and really killing the vibe that Darlene's trying to set. Zwitek goes out to speak with him. However, Zwitek also gets entranced once they change the TV station to Elvis. And it is very funny to have such an Elvis-centric episode the exact day that the Elvis movie is coming to theaters. I don't know how I feel about it. I very much love Austin Butler because I loved him on The Carrie Diaries because The Carrie Diaries was kind of my life. Um, not that I came from a small town in Connecticut, but that, you know, moving cities to have a new identity and start fresh. And he played the really sweet boyfriend who just loved her for who she was, even though she wasn't popular in high school, even though she was very pretty. So I just like a lot of things I very much... Uh, appreciate about his character. So I'm actually kind of excited to see Elvis. I just don't know. I think maybe I'll see it next week. I don't think I'll see it this week in theater. I think I'll see it next week. But yeah, speaking of Elvis, I guess we can't get enough this week. So naturally, as Zito and Swiatek are staying up watching Elvis, Darlene is not happy. However, the next morning, Zwitek cooking her a very delicious looking, I must say. The eggs look very soft and fresh. Breakfast. She's just about to dig in. They're kind of making amends. When Zito walks over to the back breakfast table, shaving his neck with his electric razor, electric shaver, sorry, and smoking a cigar, like first thing in the morning, which is pretty wild. Like I always associate cigars with kind of a nighttime thing or, you know, when you're out boating or playing golf to wake up and just start smoking a cigar is pretty intense. <laughs> so good for Zito. Wow, that's a little wild. And naturally and totally fairly, Darlene is completely disgusted by someone shaving their neck at the same breakfast table she's trying to eat at. So she's already in a bad mood, rightfully so, when Izzy and Nogi come to the door. Nogi is completely entranced by Darlene's hair. 
and then chaos. You're always this pretty early in the morning. Don't you sleep on it at night, baby? What's Don't that? touch my hair. Excuse me, baby. I was on the Thank you so much. Hey, it's time for the beaver, man. Do you ever watch this? This city ask her. Turn it down! No, 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 wait, 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 no. I've seen this one before. This is where word comes down hard on a beaver. Well, we have a sizable amount of loot. Yeah, well, uh... I am going to shout out the writers for this note. So I don't want to say it's continuity because it's technically incorrect that it's not continuous with the same character. However, it's continuous with the same actor. So Martin Ferrero, if you'll remember in the pilot, played Trini DeSoto and now he plays Izzy Marino, two completely different characters. But it's funny that Trini DeSoto at that cafe was telling Crockett and Tubbs that he learned English watching all the classics like I Love Lucy and of course Leave It to Beaver while he was waiting for his papers to get processed. So I think that's very interesting that they still were able to transpire, that's not the word, transport that love of Leave It to Beaver to Izzy. I think that's actually a very clever continuity note. So thank you. And of course, Izzy and Nogi are arguing. Both of them want to be in charge of this operation. Both of them don't want to listen to each other. But Zito and Swetuk are not having that. They are going by way of chain. They are chained up in the van. They are going to go pay Barry a visit. And they're going to try to get him to buy the counterfeit goods. And they put the full core press on him when they finally visit him at the warehouse in this next clip. Your stuff's not defective. Hey, we're no defectors. We get none of our stuff from communists. I tell you what, our warehouse is on Southeast 35th. We oh my God, I thought that was so funny because when you defect from a communist government, you are known as a defector. That happened to my father. So I just thought that was very funny that because Izzy, I'm assuming, I think rightly so, that he does come from Cuba, so therefore he would have also defected from a communist country, so he doesn't understand the difference between defector and defective, and I just really thought that was a very funny, clever clip. And Noogie gives them, gives Barry the direction to the warehouse so that their cover is a little bit more set up. If Barry really wants to do business with them, he can just easily go to the warehouse they have set up, see the goods, and then pass that word onto Castellano. Castellato. Oh my God. I honestly, people keep pronouncing his name differently the entire episode. I'll hear Castellata, Castellata, cut like different inflections on the different vowels. So I'm just getting very confused. I just call him Castellana, Castellano, but Castellata. And again, speaking of Izzy, who's just completely stealing the scene, the shirt he's wearing looks very much like the, I totally forget his name, but the guy on the Glades episode that was in court. It's that like tight fitting green ribbed silk shirt it might be the same shirt i'll go back into my archives and double check but he looks so sleazy and so amazing so now that the trap has been set let's go back to zito and switek so switek has to have the awkward conversation with zito he wants to make things right with darlene especially after that breakfast i do not blame her one bit i would also be livid he asked zito to sleep elsewhere tonight so that him and darlene can have a little personal time Unfortunately, Zito doesn't really have anywhere else to go. So it's a late night in the office, just Crockett, the custodian, and Crockett notices Zito. Um, the scene is also set up very interesting that he's with his goldfish. So you see the 
jar, the aquarium. Oh my God, what's it called? The goldfish bowl. Thank you. The goldfish bowl in front of him. And then he's pouring hot water into a cup. And at first I thought he was pouring hot water into the fish bowl and he was going to kill Harriet. But I think he's making like instant noodles or coffee or something. So that was a little trip. I definitely put that picture on the gallery. And Crockett and Zito actually have a really nice heart-to-heart. Uh, Zito's a little bit worried about Switek because Switek has such a good heart that, you know, he could end up getting shafted. Turns out Crockett has a little bit of wisdom on that topic. I don't know. I'm not a soft touch and I get shafted all the time. <laughs> a few things. Uh, sexy background score aside, Crockett does not have a soft touch. I do think he has a very good heart, but he just has a very hard exterior. However, I wouldn't say that he gets, quote, shafted. I think that Caroline gave him many chances off screen that we did not see just by her demeanor. And she did try to make it work. Uh, I do kind of place the blame of the divorce on Sonny and his relationship with Gina. I think... Also, again, coming hot off the heels of not even being divorced, calling her by your ex-wife's name. I think that, again, Crockett, maybe you should just be single for a while and just, like, discover yourself and just work with those vibes because... Yeah, he does get shafted in many later episodes, but we have not seen any woman he has slept with try to kill him yet. So he can relax on that a little bit, in my opinion. And Crockett, again, being a great friend does offer him a place to stay and a chance introduction between two people that for two things that maybe should not be introduced to one another. Why don't you hang out with me tonight? Stay at my place, pal. We could introduce Harriet to Elvis. Uh, or maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> that was a good one. Clever writers this episode. I think because this episode is kind of more like sitcom-y and zany. There's a lot of hijinks. We haven't even gone into the cement trunk yet. Cement truck yet. So I think that there's... The writers had a lot of fun with this one. And then we also discover that Darlene has given the exact same speech to Zito. Except instead of her saying that he could be chief of police she said that he could be governor and Zwitek only got to the level of mayor. So that's definitely a blow on Zwitek's ego. And yeah, you know, especially if you date the same woman, I don't think you could remain friends if you've dated the same woman, if it's serious. I think if it's just like a fling, whatever, that's totally fine. Or if you're not that close friends, I've never been on the same side of it. I've never dated the same person as one of my friends uh, my girl code is pretty strong in that respect I would have to get the utmost approval from my friend in question however I have done it the other way because guys don't really have the same code or they were never really good friends in the first place they were like acquaintances or they went to the same high school they went all went to the high school I went to they were all class of 03 so <laughs> that's why I left Toronto just you know dated everybody had to get out of there but yeah, if I, the comparison was there between the two friends and they were kind of figuring out like, oh, she thought you were better and that you could become governor as opposed to being mayor. Yeah, then maybe that's a red flag. And now back on the Castellano side, as he's soaking up the sun on his yacht in the bathing suit. Again, this, this man is my life right now because 
his style, his attitude. It gets even better when they're talking about the cement truck. And I took a picture of him just sitting in the limo, smoking a cigarette, yelling on the car phone in like a silk suit. I was like, oh, vibes. Take me back. <laughs> so Barry's obviously calling Castellano. He says that these guys actually like check out. They're pretty good. Not only that, let's take you back to 1985. So he's telling his boss that Izzy... And Noogie gave him 30 VCRs for free as a gift. And again, VCRs were very expensive back in the day. Even when I was a kid, I want to say like in the late 90s, early 2000s, VCRs were a little bit cheaper at like maybe 100, 150. But like in 1985, they would have been like $300. So that's $900 in $1985 worth of VCRs. So that's probably like 2000 now. So... It's a good way to get in there and win his favor. That's for sure. So again, Barry's told his boss that he's already checked out the warehouse. They seem legit. So the deal is good. The deal's going on. Well, or is the deal going on? Because as we regress and go back to the precinct, guess who's not happy? Rightfully so, by having informants actually working face to face with potential witnesses, potential criminals. That's kind of a big no-no, and Castillo is rightfully upset. He squashes it, and he tells Zito and Swiatek that Izzy and Nogi are off the case. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? I'm just going to take a brief break, and I'll be right back. And we are back. So the next scene, we're actually at the... I don't want to say strip club. Let's say the exotic dance bar where Nogi's fiance is dancing and they're talking about how she wants to go to Disney World and that he makes a joke that $200 was going to go towards Disney World and just in my mind I know it's over $100 in Los Angeles sorry in Southern California to get into Disneyland so I can't even imagine $200 what that'll get you now at Disney World in Orlando I'm sure that's maybe one person and maybe one child if they're lucky maybe parking so just funny to see how not only inflation and the uh, <laughs> the increase of price for all things disney has affected us as a society and this clip is actually very funny this very much reminds me of some disney adults that we've all come in contact with in our lives That also, that motel sounds amazing from a 2022 perspective. Waterbeds, mirrored ceilings, cable TV. Like again, these were all premium things in the 80s that now would be laughable. And so he's lamenting that she wants to see Mickey to who else? Izzy. When Zito and Switek stop by, they tell them that they're off the case. However, Izzy says he has a plan and a score that he wants to take down a cement truck? He wants to steal a cement truck? Sounds very funny, but again, hijinks, hijinks keep ensuing in this episode and doesn't stop there. And before we get to the cement truck, we're going to make a little visit to Barry's office. In this office, I took a couple pictures. It is wild. The art in the office, it's like a woman slash 
monster creature. It's not really a centaur. Uh, just everything about it is wild. Again, you can always see the gallery. Uh, easily accessible through my Instagram link tree. And he's on the phone with Castellano telling him basically what's going down, what's transpired. And, uh, and while this is happening, Izzy and Nogi come by for a visit. Again, the guy thinks they're BS. Barry thinks that it's all BS. However, when he lets Castellano know about the symmetric idea, Castellano is incredibly excited. Definitely harkens back to his childhood, as we'll hear later on in the scene. But he's so excited. He was saying that when he was growing up, all the other kids had really cool fire trucks, and he always had the crappy wooden truck that his mom got him. So he's incredibly enthused about the symmetric idea. And so our next scene takes place where else but a construction site. So Izzy and Nogi are kind of not really casing out the joint, basically they're just kind of like watching from the outside and they kind of go in. We see Izzy hotwire the cement truck. I don't even not know how they got in, how lax the security was because a lot of the construction workers were on their break. I do not know how they just slipped in and were able to get into this truck and not only hotwire it. They finally get it going. There's a great picture I took of Izzy like chewing the cords in frustration, swearing in Spanish. They finally get the cement truck to go. Izzy, however, doesn't really know how to drive the cement truck. So naturally, hijinks ensue. The overarching theme of this episode, hijinks ensue. So gets the cement truck, tries putting it in reverse, gets it in reverse. However, he gets it right behind this beautiful open roof convertible. In trying to get it to go forwards, he inadvertently releases the cement into this car about like 10 seconds after the cement is filling the inside of this convertible the construction workers finally notice that something is awry as if they didn't hear the cement truck start they didn't hear them reverse they didn't notice anything go awry until obviously all the cement pours into this convertible so the construction worker barges like oh that's my car they finally manage to get out of the situation they knock over a party party which a gentleman was using at the time did not take a picture of that i figured it was a little you know Un unnecessary at the moment, finally got out of the situation. And so while Izzy and Nogi think that they got this plan all sorted out, Zito and Switek pay a visit to Barry in his beautiful Porsche. I took a nice gif of like panning up along the Porsche. It was a beautiful Porsche you can see in the gallery and kind of tell him what's going on, what's what. So now Barry knows that Izzy and Nogi are cops. At the same time, Izzy and Nogi are showing Castellano, who is having a ton of fun. He's bouncing around on the driver's seat of the cement truck. He's having the time of his life when we get a call. And Castellano's henchman, the one with the amazing facial hair, is answering the limo car phone, cocks his gun at Izzy and Nogi, and basically says, they're cops. Uh-oh. Now, let's go back, check in with Zito and Switek. Switek gets home to Darlene, tells Darlene that Zito's dead. And then like five seconds later, Zito barges in the door, tells him what's going on with Izzy and Nogi, that they're gonna be held captive at the yacht. They have to go to the marina and free them. Darlene has no patience for this whatsoever. And she threatens to break up with Switek if he goes. Stan, very gold call. We gotta go. Izzy Nugi are in deep trouble. Costalada's got him. Where? South Beach Marina. All right, let's go. Oh, Stanley! This is my job. 
the jobs. If you leave here now with him, I won't be here when you get back. That sound you hear is Whitek taking down the picture of Princess Diana, and I'm assuming Prince Harry, and handing it back to Darlene. And he leaves with Zito to go rescue Izzy and Nogi. And I think that's kind of a really nice scene that their friendship is really cemented, that their friendship is strong. And not only that, their loyalty to their job. Again, they got Izzy and Nogi into this mess and they're responsible for getting them out. So I do really appreciate this moment. Now they go to the marina and just as they get there and they finally see the yacht, they see it start to cast off. They kind of go back and forth as what they should do. And honestly, they just go run after it. So they run, hop onto this yacht, which I noticed has the emblem from St. Clair Shores, Michigan. That is a very, very, very far distance from Miami Beach. So I'm just trying to do the logistics in my head of how and how much it costs to get that yacht there. Why is it based in Michigan? Just very funny. Like again, I, I grew up in a place that's actually quite close to Michigan to ship my yacht to Miami. I guess, you know, you can do it. You can go through the St. Lawrence or what have you, but I guess down the Mississippi and around the Gulf. But interesting. Logistically, that kind of threw me for a loop and I added that onto the gallery too. So they hop on to the yacht. They have a shootout with the henchmen. Henchmen are dead. They go into the yacht. And just before this was going to go down, Barry was saying, can't kill Izinogi. They're cops. And so by the time that Zeno and Swiatek actually enter the deck, not the deck, whatever the room is in the yacht, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with yacht terminology, when they finally get into the common area of the yacht, the tables have turned. Castellano and Barry are actually the ones being held. Izinogi has been able to wrangle themselves and free themselves, which I think is very impressive. So luckily, all's well that ends well with this whole adventure with Izinogi. But we have more important things. We have a wedding to go to. And then we cut to the scene. You have to, have to, have to go check out the decorations for this wedding. It's taking place indoors. It's like a little neon chapel with gold circular plates on the floor as the aisle. And it is wild. And Nogi's running around, pacing back and forth. And he's in this silver blouse. And I don't mean silver. I mean silver. Like, it looks like aluminum foil. It's not just, like, silk that's, you know, a nice shade of silver, what have you. Like, this is, looks like aluminum foil. Pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. Waiting for Izzy. So Izzy finally comes. Clutch of the moment. He was able to get the ring. Basically, some more hijinks ensued off screen where Izzy had to basically break into the pawn shop to get this ring. And it's cute as he's handing the ring over to Nogi. There's a little sparkle that I'm sure was added post production, but I thought that was very cute and made a gif of it. And at this wedding, it's a lot of very, very, very fun costumes and outfits. There is a full body blue jumpsuit that this woman is wearing and she looks amazing and i'm definitely sure she was a model and it's this bright cobalt blue and it kind of reminds me of if you remember in the early 2010s those american apparel disco pants that were everywhere but imagine that in a bodysuit i'm so sorry if you're not canadian you're not a female you have no idea what's going on but google disco pants and i'm sure you date a girl who had a pair of these and so before the ceremony starts we see all the regulars we see Crockett, we see Tubbs, we see Gina, we see Trudy. 
And that also kind of made me wonder, I'm like, wait, if Nogi's an informant for the police, why would you invite the police to your wedding? Like, wouldn't that kind of be a little bit suspect? Wouldn't that kind of bait out your scene? Maybe, you know, Crockett and Tubbs are going undercover. They're pretending that they're Burnett. And I just, in my head, I was just kind of like, it didn't really make sense to me. But it's cute. Gina and Trudy kind of make this joke about catching the bouquet. And I caught a clip of Crockett kind of looking back at Gina as she said that, which I thought was cute. And then the ceremony starts. The beautiful bride begins walking down the aisle and her wedding dress is wild. It's so 80s. It's like a tool skirt on top of another skirt and like a little bralette. I took a lot of pictures of this. I had a lot of fun with this. And then as she's walking down the aisle, she starts stripping and taking off her clothes. And it just, I love it because it stays very true to who she is. And I really admire that. I think that's really cool that she was able to keep her identity while getting married and not shying away from that. So kudos to her. And while they're about to start the ceremony, Zeno and Swiatek look at each other and they have a really nice little quick heart to heart. Whereas Zwitek, sorry, not Zito. Zwitek basically tells Zito, you know, that could have been me up there. I really dodged a bullet. And then end screen. And that's the episode that's made for each other. And while not one of my favorite episodes, I'm always going to try to find the positive and the fun things about every single episode. And this was a fun kind of sitcom-y episode. I'm sure the writers had a lot of fun. You know, they deal with a lot of very serious topics. So I'm sure just kind of having a fly-by-your-seat crazy hijinks ensue episode it's probably a relief you know kind of like giving the writers a little bit of a comedic leeway maybe what i was also thinking about doing is putting a rating system so i know for a lot of recap podcasts that i personally listen to a lot of the episodes i do listen to are episodes that i skipped and for some of them for some shows that are you know akin to soap operas where you really have to kind of keep following the plot week to week even if the episode's not that strong you kind of need to know what's going on because if you miss a couple episodes you're like oh that person's dating this person and this person came back from the dead and this person's mother is out to kill them so it's not really as as important to follow along with the plot because each episode is kind of its own and there are you know story arcs and what have you but it's not the same formula as a soap opera so to speak not really a lot of vice tea in this episode. The guest stars, not as well known as some other guest stars. We still have Ellen Green, who played Darlene. She looked very familiar. The second I saw her, I was like, I know her. Even though when I was looking at her IMDb, most of her credits, um, Pushing Daisies, Law and Order, um, things that I definitely recognized her from, but she's more predominantly known for being a Broadway performer. Um, but she's great. I think this, her voice is very iconic. So I think her voice was kind of what kind of pinged that memory for me. And then Barry I also recognized, but again, I didn't know where I could pinpoint it from. And so I went through his IMDb and even though I recognized some things from IMDb, like Law and Order, he was on Succession, he's currently on Succession, um, Perfect Strangers was the one that I was like, oh, I didn't really watch that growing up. But when I was a teenager, VH1, even though we really didn't get in Canada, we would get like it two years later. They'd always have these I Love the 80s specials where they would bring in stars from the 80s to kind of talk about the fashion, the music, the style. And Bronson Pinchot hit... Um, Mark Lynn Baker's co-star on Perfect Strangers was definitely a regular, and I'm sure Mark Lynn was as well. So I'm sure that's where I recognize him from. But he also would do kind of the intros and the promos for TJF on ABC. So that's definitely where I recognize him from. 
And then Ample Annie, as you know, we'll see her again in Buddies, which uh, stars one of my favorite, actually my favorite Sex and the City boyfriend and my favorite hot dad, James Remar. You'll know him as Ajax from The Warriors, Richard from Sex and the City, and Dexter's dad, Dexter's hot dad, as I like to say. So we'll definitely see her in that episode. And that's going to be a fun one to recap. And then I don't really have much Elvis tea. There's so much Elvis gossip out there. Like everybody already knows everything about his life. This movie is coming out as I drop this podcast. It's going to be coming out today, June 24th. Um, like I mentioned, I am interested in seeing it because I do love Austin Butler. He does have my heart as being the boyfriend on The Carrie Diaries. And they did use a couple Elvis songs. So the majority of the songs are only three non-Jan Hammer songs. So obviously the intro when they were doing the counterfeit was Money by Barrett Strong. That's what I want. And then Treat Me Nice by Elvis. And then Rubbernecking by Elvis is the one that they play when they're watching TV and Zwitek comes to join Zito instead of going back to bed with Darlene, which I think was a little interesting. And the sexy music that kind of felt like a little too sexy to be at that scene where Crockett and Zito are kind of having the heart-to-heart at the office and Crockett offers his place for the night. That's Night Talk by Jan Hammer. And that was, that was an interesting one. I like that one. That was an interesting choice. And I guess this is a little bit of delayed vice tea, but I noticed that this wasn't very much a Crockett and Tubbs heavy episode, but I noticed more Crockett than Tubbs because Crockett had that standalone scene with Zito. Turns out that Philip Michael Thomas got injured during this episode doing a stunt, so he will not be in the next episode, Home Invaders, so it'll just be Crockett. And they basically write in the episode that Tubbs is visiting Valerie in New York, which I think is sweet. But that's it. That's the episode. I'm sorry there wasn't more vice tea or more gossip to bring. Now, Fave 5, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about whether or not to keep it. I think my Fave 5s just kind of bleed into the best dress too much. So I kind of have to retool that one. But uh, definitely the outfits in this episode. Bridal, bridal outfit, I think is my favorite. That blue jumpsuit. Crockett looks really nice in that kind of burnt pink, almost like an orangey pink, maybe a sherbet, sorbet, sherbet. You can never pronounce that. I keep doing two R's in it. Sherbet. There we go. Sherbet pink suit. That I think is my favorite Crockett outfit of the episode. I'm not really a big fan of Zito and Swiatek's style. It's always like Hawaiian shirt and khakis or white pants. So... I never really include them in my fave five or my top dress, but I'm going to retool that a little bit. So next week we'll have a little bit more to play with. Again, thank you again for listening. As always, you can find me everywhere social at Vice and Easy Podcast. Don't forget to check out the website, the gallery. Hey, don't forget to like, review, and subscribe. It all helps me out here. As I bid adieu to you at four in the morning, I will, I will hopefully be in your ears within an hour or two. Thank you again for listening. And as always. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.